Father, this morning we just come to you. Oh, Father, touch us. Touch us, touch us, touch us. Speak to us. Your voice has that power to still every storm. The winds obey you. The seas obey you. The sun stands still. Everything obeys you, Lord, except us. Help us to hear your voice and obey. For you said if you hear my voice, obey my voice, keep my statutes, the plagues that I brought on Egypt shall not bring upon you. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Your voice we need to hear this morning. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We continue meditating upon the word of God. Last Saturday we looked at to see that our cave does not become our grave. We should also say that our church should not become our grave. The churches also can become caves. A good and hiding place. Yesterday we looked at, if we focus on the who, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will fall into place. The problem is we are so, so structured by this world, this system in which we studied, we grew up, and uh, we look at the what, the why, the where, the how. That's how we were taught. That is what science is. Science doesn't accept anything until you have gone through the process of how did this happen, why did this happen, where did this happen, what caused this to happen. And we are pursuing that, never finding the answer until God says, turn. Who? The whole question should be who. And Paul says, whose I am. The angel of the Lord stood before me and said, I've given the lives of all those who are with you. He says, the God whose I am. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, if you knew who was speaking to you, who is the question? So today we'll continue looking at him, unto him. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 2 and 3. And you shall remember that the Lord, your God, led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why did God lead them into the wilderness? Why are we in the wilderness? Why does God lead us into the place of trials and testings and troubles so that man will know his greatest need is God? That's the whole problem, whole issue. If you can handle anything in your life, then you don't need God. God's children will always see that. You will always run into something or almost everything which only God can handle. That our greatest need is God. Our greatest need is God. And God can 
only answer us. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, I want you to listen carefully, all those who are online and here. Here I have my eyes on you. There God has his eyes on you. Now it happened in the process of time, the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage. They cried out and the cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. You see, they cry out to God in their bondage. They cried out to God. And God heard they cried. And he looked at them with pity, with sympathy. We need to understand, we serve, walk with a God who is moved by the need of his people. By the need of his people. Let me put it even more extreme terms. God is moved only by the needs of his people. The opposite of need is being full or being unaware of your need. The danger of settling down. We saw last week on Saturday, Moses settled down in Midian. In 40 years he was full. 40 years he was full. God only moves where people are in need. And they know their need. They acknowledge their need. And they cry out in their need. Then God moves. You need to realize, you and I, we, God's children, actually everybody in the world, but especially God's children, can have something which God does not have. God does not have any need. Paul says in the book of Romans, he has no need. So we have something which God does not have. We can have a need. can have needs which only God can fulfill. The nature of this God, who, you looked at who, this is who you are. God tells us, God himself says, if you fathers being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more God, our Father in heaven, will give us the Holy Spirit, good things. Okay. In the Old Testament, Israel was God's child. And every time they cried out, God answers. Cry out unto me in the day of your trouble and I will answer. Every time they were in need, every time they were in trouble, when they cried out, God answered. But there is the other danger, the danger which we go through, which our humanistic education has taught us. And we do not know how strong it is in us, even though we are believers for years and years and years. We do not know how our mind is controlled by our thinking, which was framed in our schools and colleges and our parents and everybody around us. And sometimes how little influence the word of God has in us. Look at 8, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full, 
and build beautiful houses and dwell in them. God is saying, I'm taking you to a land full of promises. Milk and honey, houses you have been built, cattle and flocks and gold and silver. The problem is, when you have eaten and are full, built these beautiful, beautiful houses and have got all these gadgets and everything and you settle down in them. What happens is you don't need God anymore. And your mansion becomes your grave. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47 and then 31. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness. Why? Because for of the abundance of everything. Abundance of it. We do not realize in 6,000 years of human history, we are the most blessed generation. Every generation is more blessed than others. Blessed than the, the greatest Caesars, the pharaohs and the kings, even Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have any of these things. If he was hot, somebody had to fan him. He doesn't even have an iota of what we have available just like that we have. If he has to pass a message from one end of his empire to the other, it takes months for the message to reach. Here we can talk to our dog on a phone. We are the most, we have an abundance of everything. And you know what? We are full. And therefore, we don't need God. We very rarely see God, genuinely, Christians, very rarely, because we are full. 31.15. Oh, okay, leave that aside. I think I got it wrong. Let's go to Hosea 13.6. When they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. They forgot me. The world looks as the full, as blessed. The Lord looks as the needy, as blessed. So God is asking us today, this morning, yesterday we looked at who? Today God says, take a look at yourself. Yesterday we looked at him. Today turn around and look at ourselves and says, are you full or are you empty? Are you full or are you needy? Our troubles, our trials, our testing does not necessarily empty us. Please understand it. In Ruth 1 and verse 21, this is what she says. I went out full and the Lord brought me home again empty. Really? Really? That's why it was difficult to redeem Naomi. You know why? Because she was full. She was full. Full of herself. Look at Jesus' primary statement when he begins his ministry. This is what he says. <coughs> oh, not Matthew. Luke 4.18. Did I give it? 4.18? Oh, I'm sorry. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. It's upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the, look at the list of people to whom the gospel goes. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, the oppressed, all are empty. 
And if you are not in one of this category, the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord will miss you. Because it is not meant for people who are full. It is meant for the people who are empty. The poor, the broken hearted, the captives, the blind and the oppressed. All these people, there's one thing common about all of them. They are needy. So God says, if you are needy today, he will meet you wherever you are, at home and hospital, in the ICU. God says, he will meet you. That's why every time when I pray, especially at church, I'll say, Lord, especially after the offertory, meet your people at their point of need. And if you have no need, God will not meet you. Though we have a need, we are ignorant of our needs. Or we are looking everywhere else to meet our need. The question is, are you hungry? Or are you full? Are you empty? Or are you full? When the New Testament opens, we will see the needy flocked around Jesus. Flocked around Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. To 25. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought him to him, all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Wherever he went, the needy flocked. The sinners flocked. The full also came, but they didn't come because they needed. They came to criticize, to accuse, to test. There were physical needs, spiritual needs. The question is not today, do you believe in God? If you didn't believe in God, we wouldn't be there. The question is also not whether you love God. If you didn't love God, you wouldn't be there. The question is, do you need God? can believe in him without needing him. You can love him without needing him. So the question today is, are you full or are you empty? Because if you look through the Bible, he meets only the needy. His eyes, ears are open to the needy. Let's quickly go through the next six, seven scriptures, one after another. Psalm 12, 5, for the oppression of the poor. For the sighing of the needy, now I will rise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he earns. Which he earns. Next one. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Psalm 70. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. Bow down your ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. I see. Yeah, Psalm 103.7. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. I say 25.4. You have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. 
The poor, Isaiah 41, 17, the poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. This is continuous through scripture. So it is not whether we believe in him. It is not whether we love him. The question is, when we come to God each day, we rise up in the morning and we go to God. How do we go to God? How is our attitude before God? Do we go to God as somebody who is needy? Matthew chapter 5, after 4, where it ends, healing everybody, all the needy flocks, and seeing the multitudes. He has met the physical needs. He goes one step higher. He went upon a mountain, and when he was seated, those who were spiritually needed, the disciples. The disciples have no physical need, all taken care of by Jesus. The people have physical needs. He came, they came to him. He took care of them. It didn't matter what they were tormented by. A sickness, demons, what the sickness was. He met their need. Then he goes, he wants to take us to a higher level. I can meet the needs of your body. But your body is temporary. There's something that is eternal. That is your soul. So he went one step higher. When he went step one higher, there's a division between the followers and the disciples. Followers are those who follow him for physical needs. Disciples are who follow him for spiritual needs. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Say, and the first thing he tells them is that, blessed are the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? These are people who are needy. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the empty. Blessed are the needy. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of power. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of self-sufficiency. It's a kingdom of God which never runs empty. You can never run the kingdom of God empty. It's full of power. It's full of might. It's full of everything that you and I need. But the question is, when you come to the kingdom of God, it is the poor who comes to the needy. Elijah was sent not to a rich house. Elijah was sent to a house where there was a poor and a needy widow. God met her need. All the years of the famine. In Elisha's case, there was a poor widow. A needy widow. And her sons were going to be taken into slavery. And Elisha asked her, what does he tell her? Gather all the empty vessels. Because only the empty can be filled. Gather all the empty vessels. He didn't say, go around and bring all the full vessels. He says, no, bring the empty vessels. And the abundance of heaven stopped, not because heaven ran out, because the vessels ran out. You know why? When God stops speaking to us, when the anointing stops, when we are full. We are full. Jesus could be filled without measure, because he was empty, continuously empty. We looked at Gideon, we have been looking at Gideon. Finally, when God sifts through everybody, first he takes about one set of people. They're full of fear. Then he takes 9,700 out, full of compromise. By the time he's finished, he has 300 empty people. And all they're holding in their hand are two empty things. An empty pitcher and an empty trumpet. A trumpet is empty. You have to blow into it. It's empty. It's a wind instrument. It's empty. So there are 300 empty people 
holding two empty things in their hands, an empty pitcher and a trumpet. Both are empty. And you know what? God will overcome the enemy through these 300 empty vessels. So God is asking us today, are you empty? Are you full? If you go continuously from there, after that is the Sermon on the Mount. And then, as soon as he finishes, he comes down the mountain. When he had come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, he's not asking, Lord, if you are able. He does not doubt God's power. Does not doubt God's power. But he is the least of the least among the sick. He's a leper. Okay, God can heal all these people, but will God be willing to heal a leper? Because a leper in their system is the vilest of sinners. God says, I'm willing. I am willing. I am willing. Jesus says, I am willing. Put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. So it's not about his power. It's a question, are we empty? Has leprosy emptied us? Leprosy did not empty Naman. Leprosy emptied him. Sin can fill us. Or sin can empty us. The Roman centurion. Talk about the faith of the Roman centurion. It's, it's all continuous. Roman centurion. We think about his faith because Jesus commended his faith. But we don't realize where it started. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed. See, you don't plead unless you are empty. Only beggars plead. Others command. They demand. Naman demanded. He will come and wave his hand over me. The centurion pleaded. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Let's go to the next verse. What did he say? Centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy you should come under my roof. You see, he was not full. He was empty. That is where it started. That is where it started. He says, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. I am unworthy. He was empty. We go to God. You better heal me. You know why? Because I am worthy. But this man went to God saying he is unworthy. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come. You just have to speak. And then he says, I am a man under authority. I'm under th- I have soldiers under me. I say, go. And he goes. Another come. And he comes unto my servant. Do this. And he does. And Jesus was. Jesus was. I mean, we we look at this and we'll say, Jesus was marvel and said to those who follow, I surely have not found great faith. There are so many things over here what causes this great faith. One, he's empty. He's empty. He says, I'm unworthy. He pleads. And the third thing he talks about, authority and discipline. He recognizes authority. And I was asking the Lord about this many times. I was saying, Lord, what is this so different about this man, what he says? And he, he spoke to me. Very clearly told. Is there is a discipline that is human. 
There's a discipline that God wants to instill in us, which only comes from Him. He says, we wake up at four in the morning. We do our devotions and we are very regular in all our things. That's a good discipline. It's good. It's good. He says, human discipline. But he said, when I told you to stop sitting at two and start waking up at three, you switched. When I stop, I told you to stop eating rice and go to wheat, you switched. Then I told you to stop eating wheat and rice, you switched. He says, discipline is not having a pattern. Discipline is being able to do anything when God tells you. It's not a structure. It's not a structure. And he says, my son was that. I could tell him anything at any time. He would obey. He was disciplined. Today go there, go there. Today is prayer. Go alone, pray the whole night. He didn't have a fixed timetable. His timetable was fixed by God because he was disciplined. We are disciplined in a different human way, which is the first discipline which we need to have. You cannot have two without one. We have the first discipline. And outside that rut, we cannot function. Cannot function. And this man says, I tell a man, a centurion tells a soldier, come, it can be any time. One in the morning, five in the evening, three in the afternoon, come, he comes. Go, he goes. And Jesus said, you know what? That's faith. He's empty. He's begging. He's got discipline. If you turn to verse 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, same chapter. And when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw a wife, his wife's mother lying sick with fever. Touched her hand. She was sick. He saw a need there. She's needy. Able to move with fever. She touched. See, he's only touching the needy. He's not touching the others. He's touching Peter's mother-in-law, not Peter. Peter has no need. He doesn't touch Peter. Though Peter is walking with him. But he touches his mother-in-law. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word, healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. What Isaiah said in Isaiah 54.3, the interpretation, the new covenant is he actually took our sicknesses. God says, you know what, all those who are really sick and needy, they come to me, they still get healed. They don't get healed because they don't come to me. They go to the doctor. They go to the first is the doctor. Not God. Have absolute respect for doctors, hospitals, medicines and all. But first call is doctor. So they are not really needy. They're not really needy. Because he bore our sicknesses. He bore our literally written. He bore. You hear a set of needy people, he just healed them with a touch, with a word. Just healed them. You know why? Because they were needy. God is not drawn to the full. He's not attracted to the full. We are attracted to the full. Because that's the nature of the devil. God is attracted to the empty. Let me ask you this question. Why do so many go out from church meetings around the world untouched? Because they come full. They don't come empty. They come full. If you come full, 
we will go out of this place untouched. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 32. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So how do you come into the house of God? Do you come as somebody who is sick or somebody who is well? If I come into the house of God as somebody who is well, I don't receive a need a touch from God and God doesn't touch me. He passes me by. But if I come to the house of God as one who is sick, one who is sick, then God doesn't touch me. How do I come to God every day? Do I come as one righteous or one as sinner? I have not come to call the righteous. If any man says he is without sin, he makes a God a liar. But do we really come to God every morning as a sinner? If I do not go to God as a sinner, why do I need mercy? Mercy is for the empty. It is for the poor. It is the needy. It is the empty. The oppressed, the captives, the blind. But that's not how we come before God. That's what God is talking about. Sometimes our theology can get so warped. We get so full of theology and empty of God. Theology has just become like biology, another subject. Physiology, biology, sociology, theology. It's also one subject in the classroom. But we are empty of God. Because God cannot fill us. Because we are full. Romans 5, 6. When we are still without strength in due time, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. See, Christ died only for the ungodly. He did not die for the godly. So if you think you are godly, Christ didn't die for you. He died for the ungodly. That is the whole thing. We looked at who yesterday. Who are you, O Lord? Now we look at ourselves and see, Lord, what am I? Am I full or am I empty? As long as we think we are righteous, you can think the righteousness of Christ. That is different. As long as we think we are righteous, we are godly, Christ's death and Christ's blood really mean nothing to us. If any man thinks, what do we think? Like I said, what has messed us up in the past hundred years is education. The training that was done to make us full. That is humanism. You need at the core ideology behind every subject that is being taught in the world. So the, the problem is not the subject. The ideology empowering that subject is humanism. It's about humans. It's not about God. Which makes us independent of God. Humanism does not look, who are you? It points the questions back to you. What should I do? What should I become? How should I fix this? Where should I go? Why should I do it? It is not focused on the who, it's on the what, the how, the why, the where, the when. And we've been messed up. And ultimately the one world religion which will be from all religions is because man is at the center. It's happening all around the world. Christians, Catholics, Protestants, Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists. You see they meet in Vatican, one world religion. 
All religions are the same. When does all religions become same? It is not when God is at the center. It's when man is at the center. And whichever offends man, we can cut it off. There are Jehoiakim sitting in every religion, cutting off. They are not cutting off scripture. They are cutting off God. Whatever offends man is cut. And what offends man? God. That's our humanistic way of thinking. And at the end of it, what will happen? The who will be completely out. And that's what the Bible says. He will sit in the temple as God. He's not empty. He's full. Naomi is full. Ruth is empty. Both are poor. Both are rich. Both are poor. Sorry, both are poor. Both are widows. So it is not a financial status that makes you empty. The poor can be full. The rich can be empty. The rich can be full. The poor can be empty. Both are poor. Both are widows. Naomi is full. Ruth is empty. Naomi is weak. Sorry, Ruth is weak. Naomi is strong. You see, God can only help the weak. God hears only the cry of the needy. The poor, the destitute. Therefore, Naomi cannot be redeemed. Only Ruth can be redeemed. In Ruth 3, verses 7 to 9, after Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Where is Naomi? At the feet. She's weak. Sorry, Ruth. She's weak. She's poor. She's needed. Where is she seated? At his feet. You can be sisters of the same home, children born of the same womb. One sits at the feet. The other is full. Other is full of cares. Other is full of cares. We do not, we always, this is an issue with us Christians. We do not know. It doesn't take much to fill us. Because only the empty can be filled. Only the poor he can lead. Only the weak he can make strong. You see, God actually wants us to keep us needy and broken. So he can continuously supply us. Give us this day our... It's not the bread that is important in that sentence. It is daily. We don't want daily bread because that makes me needy. That makes me dependent. Weekly wages. Monthly wages. If I get my monthly salary, then I'm, I don't need him. When do I need him? June 1st, May 31st. But that's not a scriptural principle. Manna came every day for 40 years. Why? Water came from the rock, not from the river. And Paul will say the rock followed them. Follow wherever they went. So they were kept there in the wilderness as a set of needy people. So God could meet their need. 
What do you say? Tell me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from. We are called to be a needy people. We are called to be an empty people. Every morning, every night, when Israelite home went to sleep, they went to sleep with a pantry empty, with a kitchen empty. Everything is gone. Finish. Everything is gone. Next day morning, the provision comes again. God met them. God met them. The question is, we may go to sleep full, but how do we rise? Did we rise up empty? Or did we rise up full? Question. Are we honest enough to acknowledge our need? Honest enough to acknowledge and see our need? Yes, we know scripture very well. We memorized it. Without me, you can do It's a statement only for us. Is it real? Is it real? Yet much of what happens in the church is without him. Much of what happens in a Christian's life is without him. Because we are not needy. Jesus can spot a need from a mile. Actually more than a mile. Jesus went out of his way into Samaria to wait for a needy woman. And he drew out her need. She has a need, but she's ignorant of what she really needs. She has a need. And only God can meet that need. She tried to find in different men. They couldn't meet that need. And God drew that need out of her. And when God draws that need out of it, and she's interested, he gives her this answer in 4 and verse 26. 6, 26. He says, I am he. You know what you've been looking for, lady, all these years? Not Luke, John 4, 26. Okay. She says, when the Messiah comes, I who speak to you, am he. You know, what you needed all these years? It's me. It's me. Please understand this. Our revelation we receive from God is directly proportional to our need. Because he can reveal himself only to the needy. If Half of the Psalms were written by David. You go through his Psalms. He always cries out as a poor and a needy person. Whether he was a shepherd, whether he was flea, or whether he was a king, he acknowledged before God, I am needy. And we are not kings. Though we do pretend, we are not kings. He was a king. In Psalm 72, verses 12 and 13, this is what the Lord says. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no help, but the, the, the needy has to cry. He doesn't deliver every needy. Then everybody would be delivered, because everybody has a need, but they don't cry. They don't cry. He delivers the needy who cries. He delivers the poor who cries. He delivers him who has no helper who cries. He will spare the poor and the needy. 
and he will save the souls of the needy. That's a physical need. But every miracle he did was to show to us our greater need is the salvation of our souls. But we know what? We are content about the state of our soul. That's why we do not cry out. The needy are desperate. They will push through the crowd. They will crawl through the mud, the spit, the dung just to touch the hem of his robe because they are needy. And heaven acknowledges that touch. The Son of God in flesh does not have to know it. His Father in heaven says, you are healed because the needy are desperate. The world is not still desperate. The church is still not desperate. The needy will break the roof while the full are blocking the door. His physical need drew him to Christ. But Christ meets both the need of his soul and the need of his body. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, pick up your mat and walk. A room full of sinners. A room? Arundhati? A room full of sinners. Full of sinners. Room full of sinners. Only one was forgiven. Because he was empty. We are full. All of us sinners in this room. How many will go forgiven? Only one went sinners. Forgiven. Because he came empty. He went full. Others came full. And they went empty. The fact of the matter is we all have needs. Only God can meet. But like I said, we are into this image protection program. Image protection program. Even in church, we want to look dignified. So many people have just died in the church without making it to heaven because when the altar call was made, they did not move from there to the front thinking, what will this one think? If I go, he will think I am not saved, but I have grown in the church. I was baptized when I was eight days old. You know what? They was in this image protection and they died right there in the pews when call after call after call went. Jairus is called the ruler of the synagogue, but he fell upon at Jesus' feet. He was not worried about what people would think because this is an itinerant preacher not accepted by the religious class. And he's falling at his feet. The needy fall at his feet. They are not in an image protection program. They don't care what. Can they help you? No. Then why do you give two hoots about them? The only one who can help you is him. Don't worry about your image. Anyway, you don't have one. That's what God is talking about. Why should I care to hoots? He throws himself at Jesus' feet and Jesus said, I will come. In Second Kings chapter 1 verses 2 to 4. 
Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in summary was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, wherever I shall recover from this injury. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He's not a Gentile king. He's the king of Israel. You'll die in your bed. But you're so full. You're so full. Because other gods you can go inquire. Just give an offering, inquire, you'll come with the word. You don't have to go on your face before them. Because our God takes nothing. So it's a very humbling thing. See, wherever you can pay for it, people will go. That's why people would rather f- go to a hospital and pay through their nose than fall before God and ask for mercy. He said, even for Christians, first call is not God. He's second, third, or last. Because we will pay. Because It, it, it feeds our ego. Second Chronicles 16, verses 12 to 13. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became deceased in his feet. His malady was severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers and died in the 41st year of his reign. Two years. Asa, Asya, all of them died full. They didn't have to die. They didn't have to die. Why? Because we have a God who heals, a God who cares. But the problem is his ears are open only to the cry of the needy. And when we wake up in the morning and we start praying, he will know if it is the cry of the Pharisee or the publican, not Republican, publican. Because half of the Republicans are also Pharisees. One, Jesus said, who do you think went? Justified. One said, Lord, God, this is who I am. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, and I'm not like him. He's full. Full. The other one wouldn't even lift his head. He said, I am a poor sinner. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, who went justified? Who went justified? Who went justified? You see, our conf- see, there is this teaching that goes on. There is truth in teaching and it also a lie. Our confession before God and our confession before the enemy are not the same. Before God, I am the most wretched Lord. I need you. I am, I am messed up without you. Before the enemy, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon that forms. But we say this to God. My my confession before God and my confession before devil are not the same. Before God, you always go like the publican. Because if any man says he is without sin, then he doesn't need mercy. And he could be God is a liar. We are not even aware of our sins because God has not even revealed it to us. Because we are not ready for that revelation. God says, how do you come before me? How do we come before me? They all died full. And they could have lived empty. 
Grace is for the empty. My God shall supply all your needs. You see, he does not say, our God shall supply all your needs. It's an empty person writing to a set of people who are probably full and will not acknowledge. Are you needy? God asks. Do you realize your need? Luke 12. Verses 41 and 42. No. Not look. It's Mary and Martha. Must be Matthew. Okay. Did I get it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. 41. Got it? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. We don't realize this. We don't realize it. We are full of worries. It's an insult to God. We are full of cares. And God doesn't listen to us. Full. Full. We don't cry out. We are full. It is good to have worries, anxieties and troubles and cry out to the Lord. We don't do that. We are full. But one thing is chosen, needed. Mary has chosen that good, good part. She see, Mary is empty. And she's seated at his feet. Martha is full. The seed that does not bear fruit, because full of cares, the deceitful of riches. It's full. It's full. It's not empty. Two sisters, like I said, two widows, Ruth and Naomi. Two sisters in the same house, one full, one empty. And he looks at Martha and says, no, you are not full of carnal desires. No, you are full of worries. It's not. You don't need to have carnal, you are full of lust. No, you are full of worries. See, our problem with, with us believers is that we look at we look at lust as terrible and worry as okay. But either way, God says the vessel is full. And I can't do anything because there's no cry coming out. The fellow is full of lust, does not cry out, deliver me. The one who is full of worry does not cry out, deliver me. And God hears the cry of the needy. God cannot meet us unless we are empty. Luke 18 and verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because the rich man is full. The rich man is full. You see, the empty man can go through the eye of a needle. He's empty. You can stretch him. Easily he'll go through. But this man is full. Luke 12, 29 to 31. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have an anxious mind. You see that? What should I eat? What should I? Mind is full. Mind is full. Martha's mind is full. People have come. What should I feed them? Mind is always going on. What should I eat? What should I drink? For all these nations of the world seek after. 
the problem is the mind is consumed with these things so full therefore you know what god is not able to speak to us god is not able to reveal things to us god is not able to meet us and verse 31 but seek the kingdom of god and all these things which you need shall be added unto you you see what is jesus saying only the genuinely empty will seek the kingdom of god if you are full you will not when he's talking about full it does not mean your pantry is full your mind is full of things which you would like to fill the pantry the last days in the last days revelation 3 verse 17 because you say i am rich have become wealthy have no need the last days church has no need gadgets have replaced anointing eloquence have replace brokenness before god to receive the word knowledge has replaced revelation you know how stuff is done today you can hire worship teams can hire a hall can hire a congregation can hire a preacher that's how the book of judges ends a hired preacher he first stole his mother's money then he returns it and the mother gives it back to make an idol and appoints him priest hired everything can be hired you see when all these things replace there are no needy people in laodicea i have no need i am rich i have no need of nothing but the church does not realize its real condition you are wretched you are miserable you are poor you are blind you are naked there's no awareness we are not aware of our wretched nature our emptiness you know why because we are full and we say i have no need and you know what happens to this church in verse 20 christ is outside every person every institution every church that says i have no need god is outside this not inside it's not inside God is outside. That's the only church. If you look in the seven churches, where God is outside, why is He outside? Because they are full. His ears are open to the needy. He listens to the cries of the needy, the poor, the empty. But this church is full. This is not talking about the world. Leave the world aside. We are talking about the church, looking for the needy. God is looking always for the needy. His ears are tuned to the cry of the needy, and God says. How do you come to me each day full or empty Philadelphia on the other hand 38 I know your works see I have said before an open door no one can shut it there's an open door for you nobody can why you have very little strength you are needy you are empty therefore you know what you are needy and you acknowledge your need you dip- depend upon my power therefore the channel to meet your needs will be always open. nobody with the devil will never be able to shut the door 
of God's provision into the lives of those who are needy and cry out to God, it cannot be shut. Nobody has the power to shut it, he says. I will keep it open. Keep it open. And that's the secret which Paul realizes. Paul has come, 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 come to a point where he doesn't need anybody. He says, I did not go to meet the apostles. I had no need to meet the apostles. Everybody is trying, some of them are trying to bribe the way to be included among the elders. This guy doesn't even want anybody because he's got revelations more than all of them. He's come to the point where he doesn't literally need anybody and God says, I put a messenger on you from Satan because I don't want you to come to this point where you ultimately end up saying, I don't need you. That's the final step. So he says, you know what? I rejoice in my infirmities. I rejoice in all these things because you realize, you know that, every day, Lord, I need you. Many, many years ago, a prophetic voice spoke to me and it's still true. He said, this is what I see about you, pastor. One wall of your house will be always broken down. Never try to repair it because that's through which grace will come into your life. Never repair it. Leave it like that. The day you repair it, grace will stop. Remain needy all your life. The problem is we don't want to be needy. We not to be self-sufficient. Yet God is looking for those who are needy. The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal everybody. There are many places it is written, everyone who had a need who came to him, he met. The power was always there. There are so many people who came full and went empty. They never felt a touch of God. So the question is always there when you go to God in the morning, when you read the word of God, when you come to a meeting online or anywhere, how do we come to God? Do we come to God as full? Do we come to God empty? It really matters. Because there will be a lot of people around us who have no need. Okay. Don't sit around them. Don't sit with them. Don't sit with them. Don't sit. You know why? Because they will try to sh- shut down the shouts of the needy. Bartimaeus is crying, Jesus, son of David. He says, shut up. They have no need. But he has. He has. And he cries out even more louder. And God stops. And says, bring him to me. God never, the Holy Spirit never takes the prayers to the Father other than the prayers of the needy. Bring him to me, Jesus said. Who? The only one in that entire crowd who was needy. You think the others did not have a need? But they said, we can, we can handle it. We don't need you. But we would like to follow you to see this spectacle. The question is, are we full or are we empty? Luke 24, 28. Mr. wrote Emmaus, when they drew near to the village where they were going, he indicated that he would have gone further. He will walk with us, but he will act like, and he means it, that is moving past us. He comes to every meeting, two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in your midst. But you know what? He walks past us. Verse 29, 
but they constrained him. Only the needy constrain him. If you and I don't constrain him today, he will walk past us and go. But anywhere, everywhere, the needy will constrain him. He will suffer with them. And he will open their eyes. And they will realize he's the one we need. We have to constrain him. It doesn't matter what state we are in. If we don't constrain him, we will. That's why I said, there's a man who was born lame from birth, brought daily. And Peter and looked, he looked at them, hoping to get some. He said, gold and silver we do not have, but what we have, we give it to you. Rise up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he rose, leaping and praising, he went into the temple. But that's all we do. But that's not what he says. He clung to Peter and John. He constrained them. He didn't know Jesus, but he knew them. And he clung to them. Constrained them. The rich Shunammite woman. It's interesting, right? She noticed Elijah. She constrained him to eat a meal. And many meals. And lodge. But she did not actually realize why she did it. Because she had a need, an unfulfilled need. Okay, unfulfilled need. And God will meet her at a point of need. <clears throat> Do you know how I, Hannah encountered God and not Penina or Elkina? There were three in that family. Elkina, the husband, Penina, the wife, and Hannah, the wife, a man with two wives. Only Hannah encounters God. Only Hannah hears from God. <clears throat> you know why? But the other two were full. Penina had children. And Elkanah had children through Penina. But Hannah was empty. She was empty for many years. But she was still full. So God didn't hear her. And she didn't hear from God. But one day she emptied herself before God. And in the sorrow of her soul she cried out. And it didn't take God to answer through a blind full priest. He was not empty. Blind as a bat, full to the nostrils, but God spoke through him. God still speaks. So God is asking us, what are you full today? Anger? Worries? Anxiety? Bitterness? Troubles? Self? The question is never whether you are rich or poor. That's not the issue. The question is whether you are empty or full. There were two men in the same locality. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus did not make it to heaven because he was poor. Lazarus made it to heaven because he was empty. The rich man did not make it to hell because he was rich. Then Abraham should be in. It's funny. The funny thing is in that parable you see a poor man and a rich man. The poor man is Lazarus, the rich man is Abraham. And the poor man is resting on the rich man's lap. So it is not your riches, your poverty that keeps you out, whether you are empty or full. The rich man was full. He was not empty. Because if you read the portion there, it says, he was arrayed in purple and fine linen and he ate sumptuously. Full. Full. That's the problem. It's not his riches, he was full. He was full. What? You need to look at what is mentioned. With the rich, with the man. Don't worry about the man who went to heaven. 
Look at the man who went to hell. What is mentioned and what is not mentioned. What is mentioned is arrayed in rich and purple and ate sumptuously. What is not mentioned is there is no fasting, no prayer. No fasting, no prayer, no crying out, no seeking after the Lord. So ultimately, our life will be shown empty or full. Am I Naomi or am I Ruth? Am I Martha or am I Mary? Am I Ishmael or am I Isaac? Am I Esau or am I Jacob? Because living waters still flow into empty vessels. The call is not for everybody. The call is all those who are thirsty. Thirsty demands an emptiness. The call is not those for who are not thirsty. Those who are thirsty. The promise is not to the one who is full. The promise is the one who is hungry. All the is signs of emptiness. And the cry of the spirit and the bride is all those who are thirsty. Come. Both the church and the spirit has because one voice to those who are empty. Come and drink. I said the publican was full. The Pharisee was empty. As we close and go to prayer, Luke 1, 53, one of the most powerful verses connected with this. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. If you have come and listening wherever you are today, hungry, he will fill you with good things. But if you have come rich, you will go back empty. Our notes may be full, but we will go empty. We will go empty. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. How will we go from here? How will we go from here? You need to understand, the gates of heaven are open. They are not shut. They never shut. The throne room of grace is open. It's open. Even to the vilest sinner it is open. All he has to do is cry. Anyone who calls, anyone, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. Anyone. But you have to cry. You have to know your need. And you can be so full of yourself and be at the last moments of your life hanging on the cross and still not see your need because you are still full. While another one is able to see his need and says, Lord, remember me. These are powerful pictures in scripture shown to us. Two people, two thieves, both being executed, one full, one empty. One started full, became empty, and entered into paradise with Jesus. Like I said, the throne room of grace is open. It is not, it is not shut. And the shout from heaven is come. Not go. Come. Boldly. Confidently. And receive mercy and grace for the time of need. Why don't we go? Because we don't have need. We don't have need. That's why we are saying we are very humanistic Christians. We do not realize humanism controls this world's thinking and has taken over the church too. 
And much of Laodicea is controlled by humanism and not Christ. I have no need. And the first blessing pronounced in the new covenant is, Blessed are the poor in the spirit. And God knows. We wake up in the morning and we go before God. How do we go? Do we go as one full? Or do we go as one needy? When we come to a meeting, a church, this is a church. There are two or people gathered, that becomes a church. How do we come? Do we come as needy or do we come as full? It makes a whole lot of difference. It is not whether you go to church, Christians go to church. It is not whether you pray. It is not whether you fast. It is not whether you tithe. It is not whether you give. It is not. It is how you do these things. Do you do this as somebody who is poor? Somebody who is needy? Somebody who is empty? Because you can do all these things as somebody who is rich. Somebody who is full. And somebody who doesn't need anything. The rich also give. Bill Gates has given more than anybody else. But a place is reserved for him in hell if he doesn't repent. The wickedness he has done to the poor. That's why Jesus was watching the offertory. And he said, you know that lady? She's given more than anybody. Because she came out of her emptiness. That's all she had. Others came, gave out of her abundance. They were full. And after the full, Lord, here, have some. They are rich. God is a beggar. Take a little. She is poor. And she gives her everything to God. You are God. You know what? You deserve my everything. You deserve my everything. If you are God, you deserve my everything. You know? So God's asked us this morning. We looked at who yesterday. Who are you, Lord? Now we look in the mirror and ask, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What am I really? Am I, am I walking full or am I walking empty? Like I said, we should go to bed full and wake up empty. We have go to bed full because he filled us. He filled us. We began empty, he filled us and he gives his beloved rest. But when we wake up, we again go back empty. Why? That was the lesson in the wilderness. So he led them into the wilderness, caused them to hunger. And fed them with manna. Not because he did not know them. He knows all of us. He knows everyone. He knows everything about us. But we do not know. We do not know. So he leads us in the wilderness. Leads us in the wilderness. In this wilderness, the whole purpose is that we know God and we know ourselves. And we come out of the wilderness as empty people. Walk through the wilderness as empty God is able to fill us and the promises will come to pass. This is a season where disease and death is ravaging the world and people are filled with fear. My question is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of losing? Fear is connected with loss. What are you afraid of? You know why you are filled with fear? Because you are full of this world. Loss. 
You can be in the same ICU. And you are empty. If you are empty, you have nothing to lose. The beggar has not. Have you ever seen a beggar uh, going to the police station reporting a crime? Somebody stole my rags. Hmm? Beggars don't report crime. Rich people. They have nothing to lose. Job was the richest man in his time. But he lived empty. So when he took everything that was taken away, he said, the Lord gave the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I was empty anyway. Empty I came, empty I go. Empty I came, empty I go. God is able to meet the empty. Don't miss this fundamental lesson because it matters how we go to God because he hears only the cry of the poor and needy. Okay, of the needy. Not the needy, the cry of the needy. The cry of the needy is different. The cry of the full is different. The cry of the fuller is, Lord, look at me. The cry of the needy is, Lord, don't look at me. I'm not worthy. And that was the centurion. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I'm not worthy. I'm empty. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you. We come to you, Lord, people who are truly needy and truly ignorant of our needs, Lord. We are only aware of the needs which we are aware of. But unless you open our eyes, we will not truly see our need. If we don't see a need, then why do we need a Savior? Christ is a Savior to only those who need You did not come for those who are well. You came for those who are sick. The sick who needs a physician. You did not come for the righteous. You came for the sinners. And if we do not realize we are poor, we are sinners, we are ungodly, and empty, you can do nothing in our lives. We ourselves limit your hand in our lives. For Christ died for the ungodly. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, and reveal to us, show us to us, Lord, every day the emptiness of the religion that we pursue. Because faith acknowledges, I need you. Abel acknowledged, I need you. Enoch acknowledged, I need you. Noah acknowledged, I need you. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, the whole list. Oh, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you. Meet us, Lord, at our point of need. We need you, Lord. 
The church needs you. We do not want to be lavish. We thank you, Lord. We are one church, probably in this city of so many years. We own nothing. Everything that we have is rented. Every month we have to depend upon you to pay the rents, pay the salaries, meet the needs. And all we can look back is, Lord, you've been faithful year after year, month after month. You have met us at our point of need. If we had our own land, our own buildings, and the coffers overflowing, we would have become like, like Laodicea, never aware of our true state and said, we are rich. We have no need of anything. But you have kept us on our need, knees. Kept us on our needs. And you have always come through, Father. Even when you bless us, Father, and if you bless us in the years to come, help us to keep us poor, broken, empty, and needy before you. Because when your son, the only one who could claim, I am full, I am God, I need nothing, the word of God says when he came, he emptied himself. He didn't come full. He came empty. And he kept on emptying himself all the way to the cross. Therefore you raised him and gave him the highest place, the greatest name. Help us, Lord, to learn of Christ. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Peter can be saved.